Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We're very glad that you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so in the spirit of that heritage, one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. This congregation has its own mission statement that we wrote and we rewrite it every seven years. That's because our revelation of what's true continues to evolve, and we want our mission statement to evolve with our understanding. So this is something that guides our decision-making as we move into the future. We say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Since ancient times, people have blessed the spaces that were sacred to them. We gather today to bless this space, to bless those who helped create it, and to bless those who still use it now, or who will use it now and in the years to come. Our mission calls us to make this a nourishing sanctuary, a place where we are invited into transformation, a place of challenge, of safety, and of courage. We gather here to be part of building the beloved community within ourselves and in our community. We bless this building as a place of blessing and determination. We welcome and bless families of all kinds. This is a place for all ages, where we worship, learn, and grow together, where we sing and play together. May we support one another across generations, respecting and appreciating one another as richly textured human beings, each with a contribution to make to this community. We bless this building as a place of kindness and strength. May this be a place where we are called to live out our faith, by serving the causes of love and justice in the world. May it be a place where we serve the earth, our home. May the fire of our commitment burn boldly because we know that all people long, as we do, for a place to live, clean air and water, just laws, and the structures to uphold the law for everyone equally. We bless this building as a place of courage and gentleness. May the new kitchen be a source of fellowship and nurture, and may the food and drink served from there strengthen both bodies and spirits. We bless the kitchen as a place of peace and plenty. May the classrooms hold our community in its learning, play, and planning. May we fall in love with lifelong learning here and support it with time, talent, and treasure. We bless this building as a place of curiosity and inspiration. 
We lift up the whole of our church and envision it as a welcoming space where we are nourished and nourish others, where we invite transformation, even if it's uncomfortable at times, where we lift our voices for justice, where we feel ourselves held in love by the one soul of all things. Amen. This is the time in our worship when we gather together in an attitude of prayer and meditation where we pray to God or listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. It is in the wise silence, to use Emerson's words, that we find ourselves held in the arms of love. In this congregation, small noises from babies and the sounds of life count as part of the silence. Let us enter into silence together. It's my honor this morning to introduce Mr. Barb Grieve, who brings greetings from the Unitarian Universalist Association. He is one of the co-moderators of our association, which is a volunteer position. He works as a hospice chaplain, has been a long time, generation after generation UU from his family. He has worked as a director of religious education And he's founded the religious professionals, trans-religious professionals of UU organization. So it is my great honor to introduce Mr. Barb Grieve. 
It is a great honor to bring you greetings from the Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations and our Board of Trustees, which the role of the co-moderator is the board chair of the association's board. Um, and I have to tell you that bringing greetings and blessings to a building expansion is among the coolest things that we get to do. So thank you for that. In a world that pushes us towards alienation and divides us, that tries to fill us with fear and hate, to create a space where we can gather in beloved community for hospitality, for conversations and collaboration across life experiences and stages. This, this is living our faith. Modeling for ourselves and the world that there can be space made for all willing to be part of this collective beloved community, willing to not always be at the center, but expanding what the center is to include more and more time and again. This is to live our faith. And so I offer you from our association's board, from co-moderator Alandria and myself, blessings and gratitude for living our faith, for believing in its expansion, and for making space to do just that. You have superheroes among you, and I have to admit that I grew up with superheroes as well. As Meg said, I come from generations of Unitarian Universalists, and worse or better, um, from generations of Unitarian Universalist church workers. And so I swore that no matter what I did with my life, I would not become a minister or a religious educator or a choir director. It's funny how when you swear not to do something, it happens. But because I come from generations of church workers, it also means that I spent a lot of time in the church building. And I know what a wonderful and special place it can be and how wonderful and special the people who come to it are. When I was a child, I was exposed to superheroes such as Plato Polly. Now, Plato Polly's superhero, or powers rather, included being able to make anything out of Plato in a matter of seconds. But what was most impressive about her was that she seemed to magically know who in the room needed a buddy or some loving help. And there she was with her Play-Doh and her skills, inviting that person into beloved community. There was Boiler Room Bob. Now, Boiler Room Bob could fix anything that the youth group broke in the church building. I'm just saying. Broken windows broken bathrooms, burnt-out coffee makers, anything in the kitchen, and particularly the sound system. He was sure to be there to fix it. And there was Octo the organist, who could inspire all near him to join together to make beautiful music, regardless of what our skill was or how we sounded. Somehow his power brought us all together for beautiful magic. And I'll always remember Justice Janet, who had an eye on world events and could explain them in such a way as they made sense to everyone, regardless of age. Justice Janet tirelessly and effortlessly encouraged us to use our privilege and power to make the world better, to use our resources wisely, and to sustain the earth. She created recycling programs and community gardens, ran voter registration drives, 
and was on a first-name basis with all of her local, state, and national politicians. And last, but not least, was Steve the Sexton. Steve was responsible for the inner workings of the building, as well as room setups. He taught me room setup is a form of leadership, that where the coffee and the food goes, how the chairs are arranged, whether or not the tables are set up before people arrive. This sets the tone for the gathering. He taught me that sometimes the person speaking in the front of the room is not actually the true leader for the group, but rather the leader is perhaps the first person who follows the speaker and who is supported by the room setup. Now, I can tell you, as somebody who has spent the better part of my life at the front of the room, thinking that I'm the leader, it has been rather humbling to realize that perhaps I've been wrong all these years, that perhaps the first person was really those who followed me. And think about it. How many times have you been in this situation where somebody throws out an idea and you think it's a good one, but you still wait until somebody else follows the idea? Who are you following? Are you following the idea thrower or the first follower? Who's leading you? I spend most of my times these days in front of rather than among members of our congregations, though I am deeply looking forward to gathering with you for food and fellowship after the service. And I appreciate that despite being in front often, and despite being one of the associational national leaders, I am not the leader, capital T, capital L, the leader, that somebody out there is. And I warn you, be careful. Turn to your left and take a look. And turn to your right and take a look. And if you're daring, pull out a mirror and take a look. <laughs> but be careful, because what you might find is that you're sitting with, or are in fact, a leader waiting to happen. It happens like this. You follow somebody from time to time, the following, the idea thrower perhaps, maybe multiple times, and before you know it, you're invited to be the speaker, and from there you've been invited to sit on a board or a committee, and from there you become the board chair, and next thing you know, you're doing something else, and before you know it, Folks are looking at you as if you know what you're doing. <laughs> and it might have just started out simply by sitting in a religious education classroom to help because our children needed you. Or because you might have been, like me, a troublemaker in the fifth grade class that was broken up because the DRE decided that we should not continue to run away from our teachers and destroy the church property. Although Boiler Bob was appreciative for the job. But... I was put into that situation where I was among the fifth grade class, and we were troublemakers to be sure. And so our director of religious education split us into different younger classes. And that is how I ended up in the first grade class as a fifth grader. <laughs> now, in theory, I was there to learn from Plato, Polly, to learn about Plato and helping one another and providing snacks and running for construction paper and crayons, but in reality, head teacher Louise had a different idea. You see, she was the primary teacher in the classroom, and she took me aside and she said, if you're going to be in my classroom, 
You're going to be a full teacher. And what Louise taught me was not only how to teach, but to be a leader takes skill and training. It doesn't always come naturally. Oftentimes, it's easy to look up at the person in the front of the room or here at the pulpit and think, I could never do that. They're so poised, so calm, so collected. And what you might not notice is our, sh- our knees are shaking and our hands are sweaty and our stomach is quivering. When she invited me to teach, Louise taught me that teaching to be a leader is that becoming a leader, rather, is to say yes to the opportunity and to learn into the role. She taught me, and I've used this as I've got older, to also always be on the lookout for the next person. Whether it's the presumed troublemaker or the quiet person sitting in the back of the room or the person up front who always has the answer. Being a leader means accepting and seeking out opportunities to lead and inviting others into leadership, into community. And opportunities for leadership are always possible. Sometimes, though, they come in unexpected places. As UU musician and religious professional David Glasgow shared on Facebook last summer, he had witnessed an accident on the highway, and he got out of his car in the pouring rain and stopped to redirect traffic. And he wrote that his dad had set the example for him decades earlier about how important it is to keep a level head when witnessing an accident. And that he had learned in that moment that most human beings obey a dripping weirdo standing in the middle of the road, directing them onto an exit ramp, even if they're not wearing a police uniform. Sometimes leadership is about keeping a calm head. It's also sometimes about taking time to slow things down and make sure to care for our souls and the souls of one another. There's an ancient Jewish story about a rabbi who prayed every morning to keep his center, to keep calm. And one day, a couple came to him and they were having your standard problems. Their children weren't obeying them. They were beginning to disagree. They were finding that they were getting riled up and didn't have that calm center that they saw the rabbi having day in and day out. And so they said, Rabbi, please tell us, when you have a day like ours, how, how do you keep your calm? And the rabbi said, oh, that's easy. On those days, I pray twice. (laughs) It's counterintuitive and yet so important that we slow down and breathe and recognize one another. You have done that time and again here in this congregation. For me, the slowing down has made a difference. In recent years, my leadership opportunities have included being the board chair of Star King School for the Ministry during a tumultuous time, and of course now as co-chair of the UUA's Board of Trustees during what can only be considered an incredibly rough moment in our history. As we face with courage and trepidation, our patterns of white supremacy and racism. And the biggest learning that I have time and again is that we have to slow down and do the heart work, not just the hard work. We have to not let the agenda drive the conversation. And this is hard because we are a task-driven community. We you use, we like to get things done. And it stems back to our Puritan ancestors 
And even though you are here in Texas and not in New England, theoretically far from the culture, sometimes I bet it drives you too. So the idea of slowing down, of praying twice as much, whatever prayer means to you, is important. Slowing down allows us to climb into the metaphoric balcony and to keep a viewpoint towards the horizon, towards the vision. And you have done that. As you built and expanded your building and increased the capacity of your kitchen, you built different bathrooms and classroom space. You have kept hold of a bigger vision. And no doubt you have had incredible volunteers who have kept an eye on the details and the measurements, but you as a congregation have also held to that vision of beloved community. That, that is living our faith and leading. About 20 years ago, writer Josh Wheaton created the television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spinoff Angel. And I know you're wondering where we're going with this. But I want you to imagine the scene. Angel, the world has almost fallen apart, as it does every episode. The demons are taking over. The heroes, not sure what's going to happen next. They're losing hope and having a difficult time figuring out how to engage in the world around them. Sounding a little familiar? Now, Angel returns after having been missing for several months, and he's the main character. He's a vampire. That's important to remember because he was trapped under the ocean, and only, I think, a vampire could survive that. But he comes back and he admits that he's had a little bit of time to gather his thoughts and think and gain a new perspective, and he shares with the gathered group this realization that nothing in the world is as it ought to be. The world is harsh and it's cruel, and it doesn't matter where we come from or what we've done or how we've suffered, or even if we will personally make a difference. We live in the world as though it is what it should be in order to show it what it can be. We live as though the world was what it should be in order to show it what it can be. This is to live religiously as Unitarian Universalists, to be the ones to name that despite the world feeling like we're losing or feeling like our values are not reflected beyond these walls, to be able to turn around and not give up hope, to stay strong and continue to live into the world in ways that we believe we should live into it. This is to live our faith religiously. One of my greatest joys is meeting with folks like yourselves who remind me that it's possible to live our faith day in and day out, to remind me that it's possible to transform ourselves and our buildings and beyond our building walls to our communities. Our faith asks us to do just that, to transform ourselves in all aspects. One of the things that my co-moderator, Alandria, and I have said at General Assembly, and we'll say it again this year, so come on to Spokane with us. One of the things that we say is this. What does it mean to have leader-full movements? 
leader full congregations, leader full organizations? What can collaborative leadership look like in these contexts? For a long time, our movement's understanding of leadership has been one of a top-down model. But we know as lifelong Unitarian Universalists that collaborative leadership is the most authentically UU model we can have. And when we make space for different forms of communities to gather and leaders to come, we make space for us all. And so may we all strive to move through the world making space for everyone. For that is the beloved community that King brought to us. And may we live as though the world is what it should be in order to show it what it can be. May it be so, and may you each be the ones to make it so. Amen. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. We bless this space and each other for our intention for this intergenerational community. May this truly be a sanctuary for all ages where we learn and grow together, young and old alike. May we worship together, laughing, singing, and sharing as one community. May we make room for one another, for the youngest infant cooing in their parents' arms, to the youth leading the cry for justice, and for the elder boldly proclaiming our Unitarian Universalist principles. May we support each other across the generations, respecting and appreciating both our struggles and our passions. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.